Would you all please play with, pray with me? <sighs> Father God, in this moment and in this space here this morning, we ask for ears to hear the words that you have chosen to speak to us and through us. We ask for the eyes to see ourselves, not as the world might see us, but through your eyes. Bring out in each of us the hero that you created us to be. Amen. When I asked um, those in the youth group what they thought of when they heard the word hero, I got a variety of answers. There were those that I expected to hear, like Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, and a few atypical heroic characters like Aslan, the um, lion in the series of um, Narnia. But not one of the youth answered, well, me, I'm a hero. Because it doesn't come natural for us to look at ourselves as heroes. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said, wow, God, you do great work because I am a masterpiece? Probably not, <laughs> and neither do I. Um, I think a more accurate description when I look in the mirror is to see what my flaws are. Um, that's because I tend to look at myself more often through the eyes of the world and through the eyes of my own human nature. None of the biblical characters that the youth portrayed in that skit saw themselves as anything special or out of the ordinary either. A widow, an orphan, a lowly shepherd boy, a dreamer, and a donkey, those aren't masterpieces. Those aren't heroes. Or are they? When God sent Samuel to go and anoint the future king of Israel, he told him, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When the world looked at those unlikely heroes of the Bible, it saw their brokenness and their flaws. But God looked past all of that and saw their potential. He saw skills and opportunities in each of them that might otherwise have been overlooked. He saw a way to make them a hero of part of his story. Um, there's a movie called While You Were Sleeping, and, and in that movie, there's a scene between two of the main characters, Lucy and Peter, and they're talking about um, a newspaper clipping from when he was a kid, and he'd rescued some baby squirrels from a tree. Later, he shared that he actually knocked the trees out of the squirrel first, or knocked the squirrels out of the tree first. <clears throat> but um, in that scene, he says to her, you know, I don't think I've really done anything truly heroic in my entire life. And she looks at him after a pause and says, you give up your seat on the train every morning. And he responds, well, that's not heroic. But she says back to him, it is to the person who sits in it. I think we have natural tendencies to think like some of the youth did and think of those heroes that have these grand gestures that come in and you know, save the day when someone's in imminent danger. You know, and, but that's not necessarily true. Um, I think one of my favorite answers to the hero question that I asked the kids came from Hannah. And this is what she said. A hero is someone who does all that they can to help other people, no matter what it costs for themselves. Each and every moment that we put someone else above ourselves has the potential to be a heroic moment. The word masterpiece comes from the Dutch word meesterstuk which means the work by which a craftsman attains the rank of a master. In more modern use, the word masterpiece refers to a creation that is considered the greatest work of its creator. 
It is the creation that a creator is best known for. When we allow ourselves to be used by God in that way, to make him better known, then we live out that purpose because God calls each of us his masterpiece, the work that he considers his best work, the work that he wants to be known for. And when we live into that potential that he has planned ahead of us, we get the chance to be heroes and a part of God's story. Overall this year, we have a um, younger, very introverted youth group. And when we began planning for this service um, over a month ago, we talked about scriptures and themes and they came up with the theme of unlikely heroes. And as we were talking with them about ways that they could serve and be part of this service, you know, they, they shared some ideas. And then Mike and I asked the question, well, does anybody feel led to speak on that topic and give the sermon portion? I have never heard the youth room quieter than I did in that moment <laughs> because it was like they all turned from teens and preteens into crickets. And it was kind of like, nope, nope, I'm not. You know, and I'm a teacher. So it's, I think kind of go look at the no. <laughs> and yet they're all here this morning, flaws and fears and all putting themselves out of their comfort zone to say, um, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna live out the part of God's story that he planned for me a long time ago because that's what heroes do. And I know that they don't see themselves as heroes, but when we put God before ourselves, that's what we are. That's why he calls us his masterpiece, his best work. And just like the characters that they portrayed this morning didn't expect to be considered a hero in God's story, I know that none of us see themselves that way but don't forget that that's how God sees you. We may not feel like masterpieces or heroes, but when we surrender to what God has planned for us, anything can happen in the hands of the master creator. Hey. <laughs> All right, I'm Brooklyn, 13. Don't know how I convinced myself to get up here, but... Um, so real quick, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 28. Instead, God chose, the, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. You know, if the version of me from a month ago found out I would be standing in front of a church full of people sharing about how I was an unlikely faith sharer, she wouldn't have believed you. So I'm out. I am an introverted person, okay? I keep all my secrets between me, my music, and my books. So when Mountaintop came around, I was nervous. Nervous to be around people who had more faith than me. I always thought, why on earth would God choose somebody who is a complete and utter band geek with no physical strength whatsoever to help build a porch? <laughs> now I realize why. This is going to sound mean, but God doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're strong, if you're weak, if you think you're wise or not. If he has something planned for you, that will happen. Um... He uses people like the unwise and the unwise and the weak to shame those who believe they are strong and wise. 
The only people who are qualified to work with God are the same people who people who other people consider unqualified to work with God. Everything that ties us together is God. Is this on? Hello? Hello? Check, check, check. Hello? Hello? Nope. Is it on? Hold on, sorry. Check, check, check. Oh, there we go. There we go. Let's go. All right. Good morning. Uh, I'm Fletcher, 13 years old. You might remember me. I was baptized officially, like, probably... I don't actually remember when it was. It was like a couple months ago. Um, so what I'm going to be reading today is uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Um, so the theme so far, as you've probably noticed, is unlikely heroes. And like Gwen said, when they said that we were going to have to uh, do like a mini sermon of sorts, yeah, room went dead silent. Nobody wanted to do it. And I have a dad who used to be in ministry, and my uncle is also in ministry right now. Like, he's, he's preaching right now as we speak. Um, and so I thought, huh, I've always wondered what it would be like to preach a sermon. I think it could be fun. So, yeah, that's kind of how I'm here today. Um, so, let's, yeah, let's just, let's just jump right in. Uh, It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the first part, for by grace you have been saved through faith. We, We can't get to heaven without being saved and believing in God. If, if you're not, I don't care what you're doing on earth, if you are, if you're just like the nicest person, you're doing all these great things, but you're not believing in Jesus, I'm sorry, but you're not going to make it to heaven. That's just, that's just how it is. I'm, but, and the fact that we can get to heaven through Jesus, you know, dying for us is a gift. You know, we, we are all, I, you all, we're sinners, and if you have one sin, you can't get to heaven. But, you know, God came down, died on the cross, lived a perfect life so that we wouldn't have to. And if we believe in him, we can, we can go to heaven. And that's, that's wonderful. We, we can't forget that. It sometimes, you know, feels like we just, yeah, it almost feels um, natural. We just take it for granted. But we, we can't do that. It's such a wonderful thing, and we just, can't, we, we just can never forget how amazing that is. Um, second part, not a result of works so that no one may boast. We can't do anything without God. Like I've already kind of said before, if God wanted snap of a finger, we would all just be dead. Um, he's probably not going to do that. <laughs> he might, though. I don't know everything, uh, obviously. Um, yeah. And third part, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So 
like we were talking about earlier, we are his masterpieces. Um, we, because we were made by, we were made by God, and so we are his masterpieces. It goes all the way back, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Um, wait, no, that, that's later, sorry. sorry. Nope, that's not it. Um, yeah, we were made in his image like nothing else. We can love, we can care, we can think. Um, yeah, we can, yeah, we can just do things like him like nothing else can. And then sorry, later, later on it says we created in Christ Jesus for good works. Here we go, this is where I was going. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When they were created, they were created to do good works for the earth. They were created to serve and take care of the earth, and that is what we were made to do, ultimately. Um, speaking of good works, I don't know about you guys, but I am a very big sports fan. And so when I found out that we were gonna be doing Unlikely Heroes as the theme, for this service, I was, I was all excited. I was like, oh boy, I'm putting a sports analogy in here for sure. And here it is. Uh, so when I, when I think about uh, sports analogies, or unlikely heroes in sports, I usually think of, first thing I think of is David Freeze, you know, 2011 game six walk-off home run. That was epic. I, I, I don't remember that happening, because I was like one years old, but... <laughs> But it was, still, it was still really cool, and I've watched that clip like 200 times. Um, but probably my favorite unlikely hero is a guy that you've probably never heard of before. His name's Brock Purdy. He's a quarterback for the 49ers. All the way back last year, he was drafted as the 262nd overall pick, which, for reference, is the last one in the draft. It was nothing else after him. Um, yeah, he was also going to be the third string quarterback, which means he was third in line to be quarterback for his team. So he wasn't going to be playing for a long time, like at least minimum five years. Um, week two of the season, Trey Lance, their starting quarterback, gets injured with a fractured ankle. So now he's out for the season. 49ers fans, are getting nervous, but they're like, it's okay, we still have veteran quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, everything should be fine, we should still make the playoffs. Week 13, Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured with a fractured foot. So now, here we go, third string quarterback, we're down to for the 49ers, and 49ers fans are losing their minds. They're like, we were doing so well, and now we have this guy playing quarterback for us? We're doomed. I bet you guys see where this is going. So Brock Purdy comes in. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he wins them five straight games. And he takes them all the way to the NFC Championship game, which is the game before the Super Bowl. I'm sure you, you all know what the Super Bowl is. It's, it's, it's pretty big. Um, unfortunately, Brock Purdy also got injured in that game. Very, very unlucky quarterback season for the 49ers. They ended up losing by over 30. It, it was ugly. I watched for like the first quarter. It was not good. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, 
final part, uh, it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God loved us so much and he cared about us that he had stuff for us to do before we took our first breath. Think about that. Before you had done anything in your life, God had stuff that he had planned for you to do. And that is really encouraging, for me at least, because that means that no matter where you come from, who you are, you can still do great things for God. Like you don't have to worry about what you're gonna say to help people to learn about him, if you're gonna be in the right places, do the right things, because if you ask God, he will help you. And he, because he loves you and he cares about you so much. Um, yeah, he, he has a plan for us. I mean, Brock Purdy didn't know that he was gonna be playing for the 49ers, going all the way to the NFC Championship, but God did. God had a plan for him before, before he grabbed his first football. He knew that Brock Purdy was gonna be there, and that's super encouraging for me. So, that's yeah, just, that's all I have. Oh. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I don't even know how to follow all that. Seriously, uh, you guys did fantastic. You always do. It was, it was interesting that, we st that when we originally asked them what they want to talk about, and they said, unlikely heroes, I got excited because I knew we were about to start a three-week teaching series on being made in the image of God, and we were going to use Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, and all these things, and the first, see, the first night we talked about how, uh, what does it mean to be a masterpiece, and uh, that was so fun. We, we watched a video of a spray paint artist who used these spray paints, and then as he took pieces off of the canvas, it began to make this beautiful picture, but none of us saw it to begin with. It was just globs of spray paint all over the canvas. And we talked about that idea that the artist, we didn't know it was going to be this beautiful picture, but the artist always knew. The artist always knew it was going to be a masterpiece. The artist could see what the rest of us couldn't. The creator could see what the rest of us couldn't. The masterpiece was the creator's because it came to him first and him first and then shared with the world. And I started thinking about, it got me thinking about a man that we know from uh, Mountaintop. His name is Phil Mayhew. Uh, some, of the, some of the veterans who have been to Mountaintop may remember Phil and Terry. They own a place called Bershaba Porcelain. It's this, I mean, I, I don't envy much, but I envied Phil because he had this big house and this beautiful chaotic garden. They had this, and he got to sit on his front porch doing what he loved, making art and 
do it with his neighbors and friends and all the kids from mountaintop around him listening to his favorite music while he talked about life and just did it at his own pace. And I thought, he's doing it right. He's really doing life right. And we learned a lot over the years. Uh, Phil passed away about a month ago. But we learned a lot from Phil over the years. And one of the things that was so amazing about the stuff that Phil made is he would make like, he would sit and watch him and he would make like 30 or 40 mugs and each one was very similar, but each one was uniquely different in many ways. Even down to the glaze he used because he would put the same color of glaze, this cobalt-based glaze, and when he fired them, they would all come out blue, but the different patterns and the different shades of blue. So each one, even the, 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 the glaze on them was unique. There were only two things that were ever the same on each of these mugs, and that was his signature on the bottom. He always put his name on it. And when he would make a mug or something and he would attach the handle, he would take his thumb and press it down and... His fingerprints were on everything he made. And God's fingerprints are on us. They're on our youth. It's funny. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> uh, yeah, thank you. Gwen. Breathe. I'm supposed to breathe. Thank you. <sighs> She's got to remind me sometimes. Uh, parents often say to us, thank you so much for pouring into our kids. Your kids make it easy. I breathe right, I got you. So, <laughs> but it got me to thinking. Uh, they are a joy to work with. Usually. <laughs> uh, we laugh a lot. Sometimes we have to do the whole hocus pocus, everybody focus kind of thing. Um, but they're a joy to work with. And I started thinking about this, this idea of a potter and clay. And there are a few references in scripture about God as the potter and us as the clay. And one of the, and Paul talks about in Romans 9, he does a whole chapter, Romans 9. I encourage you to read it. But it's all about the sovereignty of God and our response about, about why God told the, the, Paul explains to his Jewish believers, you know, it's not because of your heritage that you are chosen by God. It is because you were chosen by God, not because of anything that was special about you. He chose you, and he can choose Gentiles too if he wants to. With Jacob and Esau, the oldest son was supposed to get the, the inheritance and the blessing, but God chose the younger son because that is his right as the creator. God has the sovereign right to over our hearts. He can soften them or harden them but always he does this to show his mercy and his grace. Pharaoh was given many opportunities to make the right choice. 
And God did not intervene until it became necessary when he had been shown mercy so much and now it was time to act because the truth is this, the, the people of Israel were always going to be led out of slavery in Egypt. God gave Pharaoh the opportunity to be a hero. If he, had, if he had the first time Moses came to him, if he had said, you know what, you're right, I do fear God, please, here, leave, you have my blessing, would have a different story. It would be King Xerxes' story from Pharaoh's perspective. He would have been the one who honored God and let God's people go, but he didn't, and so God's plan went another way, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, and that's God's sovereign choice. How we respond to God's sovereignty is really the question. Every hero that these kids talked about had a choice. Ruth could have said, I'm, you know what, I am gonna go back home. Uh, I, you know, maybe not Balaam's donkey. I don't know if he really had a choice, but Balaam did, and Balaam made the right choice. But it's always, it's the same thing we face all the time. That's really what it is. Heroes aren't born, they're made. They're made when God calls us and we have the choice. Do we respond with a yes or do we resist? Submission or rebellion every day, our kingdom or God's kingdom? Are we going to be the masters of our own destiny or think we are or are we gonna let God have his way? Because if you look through scripture, you're gonna see how that works out for people. We see how it worked out for Pharaoh. We see how it worked for Pontius Pilate. We see it over and over again. Choose your own way. You're headed for a fall. So, as Brooklyn said, the thing that made all these heroes qualified is they understood they weren't qualified at all. They understood that they were only qualified if God was on their side. That's what qualified them, is understanding that they were unqualified and needed God. And the beauty of it is, no matter how we respond, God's grace is over it all. God's grace worked through Pharaoh's stubbornness. He worked through Caesar Augustus, who thought he was the most powerful man in the world when he called for a census. He used that for his, his grace and his good and our forgiveness. And I love the fact that these guys are so honest that it was silent as a tomb in that youth room. And we're thinking, ooh, okay, this is gonna be a challenge. But so many of them, I'm gonna pick on Brooklyn again because she said something to me at that night that I remember. She said, I'll, I'll do it because we just talked about maybe God's asking you to do something hard like get up and talk in front of people. And I looked at Brooklyn, and if you know Brooklyn, I would have told you, she's right, she would have rather taken a bullet than get up and talk in front of a group. And I looked at her and I said, wow, Brooklyn, that's really out of your comfort zone. And she looked me dead in the eye and she says, yeah, it is, but that's why I think God wants me to do it. Bam, that's it. The lives of these unlikely heroes continued to point us towards the greatest hero, the most unlikely hero, Jesus Christ, 
who was the model of obedience and surrender, surrender even to death on a cross. I love how these guys model that. I love how, how we can continue to point others by being image bearers, by being reflections of God's glory. We serve the greatest hero ever. And the great part, the exciting part, is he invites us along on the ride. And today, we are gonna get the opportunity to uh, remember that. We're, we're about to celebrate communion, and this will be our chance to, uh, to remember afresh the sacrifice, the obedience, the love, and the gift. Let's, let's pray, and then the communion stewards will come forward. Father, thank you for uh, your sovereignty. Thank you for um, working in us and through us, giving us a choice, Lord, and thank you <laughs> that you don't give up on us and you're never satisfied with just good enough. You always call us to more and greater things until we reach the time when we are complete in your presence. We thank you for these things, Lord. Thank you for our youth and their willingness to step up and say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we just take a moment to thank those that stepped up to point us to the hero, Jesus. Um, And uh, there are a lot of ways to respond, but the cool thing is that God is always the one who initiates with us. He's the one that touches us. He's the one that draws us close. He's the one that says, before the foundation of the world, I knew you, I created you, I did put my fingerprint on you. And uh, we have taken that for granted. We have forgotten that. We've been forgetful. And yet, here he is still saying, you're still in my hands. And when you run far from me, I run after you to get you, to bring you back. That he is the hero who seeks to save. He goes and he seeks and saves those who are lost. And uh, I love how Fletcher shared, you know, God could just strike us all down right now. I don't think he will, but I don't know. I don't know everything. How true that is. That this life and these breaths that we breathe and our heart beating, it's determined by him. And as long as there is life, as long as there is breath, there is opportunity to respond to the great love of God through Jesus Christ. He died in your place. He rose to give you the promise and the hope of heaven. So as Mike said, this is a reminder of that reality that Jesus's body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us us 
and he does it in the way of a meal. And uh, you all are invited. If you don't have plans, some of you already made plans to be with us. We have a meal after this meal over that way. Some very gifted cooks in our midst. There's going to be even a cookbook for sale if you like some of the recipes. And it's a time to commune with God and with each other. But first, this is Jesus' table. This is his invitation to you and to I. And uh, so on the night that Jesus was betrayed by his friends, he knew everything they would think, everything they would feel, everything they would do, and yet still he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And on the same night, he also took the cup and said, this cup is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I can't begin to think of the number of times that I have felt like my sins, my shortcomings, my failures have kept me from God. But when Jesus says, my blood is shed for you. He is saying, I have built the bridge that covers over all the obstacles and all of the things that you think may keep me from you. I have covered over all of that. Don't you get wrapped up in thinking that you can't come near. I don't hold it against you. I died to cover you. So some of you, even now in this moment, may be thinking about the times that you were heroic and the times that you were not heroic. And I think that God in his grace, more than anything else, wants to tell us, hey, how about you quit thinking about how heroic you are or quit thinking about how unheroic you are? How about you start thinking about how heroic my son is on your behalf? And if you get lost and amazed and blown away by the way he has been your hero, you'll run to your hero. And you'll take this in faith. And you'll be touched by the master. So I'm going to invite Everett to come, and he's going to dismiss pews and give an opportunity for you to, to come.
we do have one more song that we're going to move into here in a little bit, but I have a quick announcement before we sing that one. We have a small technical difficulty. Uh, you all are heroes and masterpieces because of God, but sometimes technology is not. Um, and the words to this uh, song are not projecting on these monitors. However, this is a song many of you... Yeah, they do. Perhaps spoke too soon. And even technology, God can take care of. Never mind. I invite you to stand. We're going to see an amazing love.
we look at as a flaw or hindrance, God sees and says, I can use that. We just have to have faith and let him. We've heard examples of that today, but just in case you're not convinced, listen to this excerpt from Victorious Mindsets by Steve Blackland. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. There's always going to be someone better or more equipped than you, but that doesn't determine your worth and it doesn't determine whether or not God can use you. Now let's receive this benediction. God, your word tells us in Philippians 4:13 that we can do all things through Christ Jesus, who gives us strength. Though we may not see heroes in ourselves, help us to be ready and able to be used by you, both in the ways we expect and especially in the ways we don't. Amen.